What's up? This is your girl, T. As a black woman in her 30s, I'm constantly trying to figure out life. But the one time of the week where it all seems to come together is on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, that's right, when I talk with my girls at brunch over a glass of champagne. I created this podcast to bring good vibes and open dialogue about various topics from mental health, relationships, personal development, the workspace, to the bubbly that happened over the weekend. Sundays are a time for celebration, rest, and reflection. So welcome to Champagne Sunday. Grab a glass, pop a bottle, and get ready to pour it up. Champagne Sunday is pleased to provide you with social media content for your personal education and informational purposes. Reliance on any information provided by Champagne Sunday or by any person or professional appearing on this podcast is solely at your own risk. Welcome back to another episode of Champagne Sunday. It's your girl T and welcome back. I am laughing and laughing at myself because it has been a struggle to record this podcast today. I have started, I have stopped, I have started, I have stopped again and again. And it's funny that it has been a struggle because the episode of this podcast today is called The Struggle, which was only named that because it is the name of the season finale, or should I say, backup, the series finale of snowfall the name of the last episode of the series was called the struggle and crazy enough this recording this podcast today has been a definitely a struggle i've just been all over the place been upstairs downstairs all around trying to make it work and you know what fuck it i'm just gonna just do it and figure it out from here but you know life is a struggle sometimes that's just what life is and we're definitely going to get into uh snowfall now if you haven't been listening or one, if you haven't watched Snowfall, you may not be interested in this podcast or this podcast, and it also might serve as a spoiler. So I would advise if you haven't watched Snowfall at all and you plan to, then you might need to log off. And if you have been watching and you aren't all the way caught up, then I advise you to log off and skip this episode because we are going all in about Snowfall and we're giving all of the spoilers. So stay tuned for that. I also, you know, we're going to do our regular, we're going to have our libations and our bubblies. We're going to kind of check in with each other. How are y'all doing? I hope this Sunday that you are resting, that you are reflecting and that you are recharging. And even though sometimes we have the Sunday scaries and we are over it being Sunday because, you know, after Sunday, it's Monday. And so we don't want to go back to work, but Sunday is a great time to go to church, of course, to um, enjoy your day, to relax, to reflect, to just recharge and just to get your day started and also reflect on the last week and how you can make this week better. So I hope that you've been using your Sunday in a most productive way. And if you haven't, resting is just as good on a Sunday, not doing anything at all. So what do I want to talk about? It's been a while. I've honestly have to say that my podcasting has not been consistent, guys. It's kind of been all over the place. And it hasn't been consistent because I've been trying to be consistent in other areas like work and working out and eating. And that has been pretty good. Like I feel like working out and eating has been pretty consistent throughout this year so far. And my goal is to stay all the way through December. So I think I'm doing pretty good. The other day somebody told me my face is look like it's getting slimmer. So 
that's actually a good compliment because, you know, you start to lose weight, I feel like, first in your face and then all over the other places. So hopefully that is a thing and that's where it is. But yeah, I've been hot. I feel like I'm flustered. I feel like when I first came on here, I looked a little cuter. Now it's a, oh, the, the camera got to focus. I look a little flustered, a little hot, but child, I'm tired. It was a lot getting this little podcast together today, but I said I'm going to do it and I am, I'm doing it. Um, but also, yeah, I just feel like sometimes too, thinking about consistency, I feel like that consistency has been so important to me in my aspects and I'm trying to make it a thing that I would like consistency out of my relationships. I've also been binge watching other than Snowfall, Love is Blind. <laughs> we could, we could get into it, but that might have to be a whole new episode of Love is Blind, but, um... Thinking about love and relationships, it's like you want consistency and you want people to follow through on things. But that to me seems to be the hardest aspect of getting people to follow through. Like people, you know, I feel like um, the people that I have entertained um, do not like to be consistent and are very inconsistent in a lot of ways. And that's annoying because I feel like it's easy. It should be easy to be consistent with someone that you like. And so when you're not consistent, I believe that you don't like me as much as I think you do because you're not being consistent. Um, the other day there was a post about um, how do men know if they are in love? And some of the ones that I liked and some of the ones I noticed that had the most likes were those that involved the person saying that they give up their time, that they like to spend with the person, that they notice the small things and the simple things that, you know, they want to go out of their way to make their person feel special. And I think time and quality time is a big thing and being consistent is a big piece of that because, I feel like a lot of times you can say things like, I like you and I want to get to know you and I want to take you out and I want to do all of these things and we want to go on vacation. But it's another thing when you have someone who's starting to plan those things, who's starting to plan the vacations, the trips, who's, you know, taking, actually taking you out or doing quality time. And it's not necessarily about the money, but a love language is quality time. And I think for a lot of times for men, because action for me, I think for men, action is what they respond most to because and more than words like women are a very verbal creatures we like to use our words and talk and express i love i like yes we like to talk a lot that is something that we do often but i feel like men are of action they want to act out and do and they have a they show and i feel like when you have a man who's saying things but his actions aren't aligning there's something going on there you know and so I feel like that's a, again, it could be another episode or another podcast, but I think consistency is the keyword for today. We don't have keywords, but we're going to have a keyword today and it is consistency. Whatever you're doing in your life that you really want, I feel like you should be consistent in it, whether it's working out, eating, your job, your career, like your schedule, your romantic relationships, your friendships, be consistent in those things if you want to see growth and you want to see change and you want them to develop. Because I feel like without consistency, things can't really develop because you're not putting in the time and the effort and the attention these things need in order to grow. And so when you're not putting in consistency and you see that you're not getting the outcome that you want, don't get upset and get mad. Be mad at yourself because you're not putting in the consistency. And I think that's it. And I don't really have a good poker face. When I'm upset, I'm upset. When I'm mad, I'm mad. And people understand, people notice that. Now, I don't really sometimes have the need to express or communicate why I'm mad because I'm like, 
not because I feel like you should know why I'm mad, but it's because you made me mad. So it's like, you made me mad and now you want to know why I'm mad. But you know that you fell short on these these issues. And now it's like, you have to go and reiterate them. But I think for someone who you know isn't consistent and isn't really playing a part where you want to or like they're not someone you're actually like going out with or someone you're committed to sometimes I feel like having those conversations are a waste of time and so I think a friend told me you know I was like why do we always end up in these weird situations with these people and she said because you choose you decide to do these things you decide to like entertain the bullshit you decide to pick up the phone you decide to call you decide to talk and text you decide to go on that little date you decide to go on these things and then you realize you're in these shitty situations because you decided to, to partake and so you know I'm gonna start deciding not to I'm gonna decide to start saying no um, because I'm kind of getting, it's, I feel like, you know, when, especially when you think about like situationships and things, and I, I feel like I'm going on a little tangent, but I just feel like this has been on um, my weighing on me when you go get into relationships or little side situations or you, you know, often I feel like women will say, you know, I don't really like him, but I like talking to him because it's the attention. Usually when we go down that route, it ends up going bad because, when that person stops being consistent, you can't really, what can you say? What can you do? You can't really say or do anything because like now you're not in the relationship with the person. So it's kind of like, it It becomes really what we, the, the previous episode, how sticky can it get or how sticky does it get? That It gets real sticky um, in those situations. So again, trying to be more consistent in the ways that I am um, operating and moving and being more consistent also in my relationships and being consistent in the things that I want. If I know I want a certain outcome, then not putting energy in something that's not going to get me that outcome. Uh, it's, it's, it's pointless. So all that being said, our word of the day was consistency. Our libation for today is, you know, it would have rhymed if I was drinking Hennessy, but I'm not, I'm drinking tequila, tequila. Um, I'm drinking a margarita because, you know, Cinco de Mayo is coming up. I really enjoy Cinco de Mayo. I don't have any Cinco de Mayo plans. I think I'm going to do something a little spontaneous this year, kind of just see where it goes, but I really do like Cinco de Mayo. And so I'm just drinking margaritas up to Cinco de Mayo. Countdown has begun. Take a sip of whatever you're drinking on, right? So I guess we're going to put, and it's also not a champagne margarita. So I guess we're going to put the champagne off to the side a little bit until after Cinco de Mayo. But you can make a mean um, champagne margarita. Those are so delicious. And so I might have to repopulate or repost that one for Cinco de Mayo for sure. So yeah, so today we're definitely talking about the struggle. We're talking about Snowfall. And one of the quotes, and you know, we have our bubblies. One of the quotes from Snowfall that I really like and it started off in one of the earlier seasons of Snowfall. And I really like this one because it kind of highlights the factor of where where Franklin Saint come from, came from. So if again, if you don't know about Snowfall, it's a show based off of a young man, a young black man in South Central LA who gets into the drug game. He becomes this big kingpin. He gets his family involved. He becomes this notorious person he has different throughout the series he has different little plights um but the biggest plight is that his plug or where he's getting the cocaine from 
is through a, a CIA agent who also, you know, if you think about the historical context, and this is why I love this show because it does have a lot of historical context. If you think about how drugs came into the United States, specifically cocaine in the 80s, it was funneled through the government. And so it has that connection. So his his plug is a CIA agent, but at first they don't realize Again, spoilers. Uh, at first, they don't realize that he's a CIA agent. They just think that he's this, you know, well-connected white man. And then they realize he works for the CIA and he's actually funneling drugs into the United States. He feels, you know, it's his duty as an American citizen to fund the war in uh, Nicaragua. And so that's a whole other concept. But I really love the show. Really great. And so one of the quotes that I really, really, really like, and I'm going to pull it up real quick. And this kind of also sets the basis to me for, for Franklin and kind of like why he does a lot of things that he does. And so one of the things that he says, so here's the quote. So I tried to do shit the right way, went to the other side, Know what I learned? The game is rigged. It ain't made for people like us. So you know what? I'm rewriting the rules. So Franklin is like, I'm rewriting the rules. A lot of times in, I think, the series, it has became a moral game, morality of like what's right, what's wrong. And in the end of the day, when you're selling drugs it's like you're you're putting drugs and you're selling drugs in your community you're creating the community that it is because when you first get introduced to franklin's community it is a middle class i guess you could say maybe lower middle class um it's a working class neighborhood i can definitely say that maybe it's not middle class it's a working class neighborhood um with not much crime you you know i think when you're introduced you're introduced to the kids you know buying ice cream and in the ice cream truck and it's very much black but you know maybe some people are struggling you even get introduced to franklin's mom who's definitely um and i didn't say this she's a single mother she's struggling in the sense because um she's single by default so her husband who is franklin's father is alcoholic he's uh sub has substance abuse issues he's addicted to alcohol and so he's not in the picture but franklin knows where he is so he's kind of like a part of the neighborhood still but not a part of their family anymore um but as the show going on and again it has a lot of good character development you notice that franklin's father had a really uh, instrumental piece in his life like they had a relationship when he was growing up they did things together his mom and dad were both big uh, members of the black panther society and taught franklin a lot about his black his black culture and his heritage and just also about who um about po- politics and the system and, and systemic racism and just just the system in general and so he has those memories of his father, but I think because he's been seeing his mother struggle so long by herself and he hasn't been there that he sees his father as a deadbeat, that his father, he hate, he starts to like hate his father and not like him. And because of he, pretty much, I think you also, again, starts to see in the series that Franklin's father kind of goes down this path because as a way of coping, because of the things and the demise of the Black Panther Party. And so he can't cope with some of the things that are happening um, within the party and how, again, the government is trying to control the Black Panther Party and kind of break it down and kind of destroy it, in a sense. Again, a lot of historical context. And so he kind of goes the wrong path and, and chooses alcohol and the way to cope. And it kind of just goes and just diminishes uh, his uh 
Franklin's perception of him. And so you see this neighborhood, right? You know, it has some bad, it had, like then you think about Franklin's father, but it has a lot of good. It has, you know, people working hard for what they do there. You know, at the time, I think you do see drugs, but it's mostly like people are smoking weed or marijuana, but crack isn't really a thing yet, right? Crack isn't, isn't here. And so you see Franklin introduce crack into his neighborhood. And so a lot of times the morality piece come into hand because you would say, isn't it, you know, how could you do this to your own people? Like, how could you bring this drug into your neighborhood? Um, But then you think about who Franklin is and his path, right? And so Franklin, in the quote that I just mentioned, said, you know, I tried it to do it the right way, but the right way is rigged. And so what you see in the beginning is that Franklin is a bright um, what could you say? A bright young scholar with lots of potential, right? He really is. He's a bright young scholar, scholar with lots of potential, and he is has an opportunity to go to college. And he, uh, or I think, is it college? I'm pretty sure it's college. I want to say he has the opportunity. Yes, he has the opportunity. Now, again, bear with me because I haven't rewatched. old episodes in so long but Franklin has the opportunity to go to college and he goes to college but then things get shaky because his mom is really struggling and she works she's like a property in property management and she works for this harsh and very hardcore white man who is just being ass about things and she's working hard and, and doing her shift and you know, she's trying to do her job, but her job isn't easy because it requires her to, you know, um, it requires her to uh, evict people out of their homes. And so it's not an easy job, right? And so when it comes to paying for tuition and things, Franklin um, doesn't have the money. You know, he's working, you know, at the this uh, convenience store. He's, you know, trying to go to school and do right. He's actually taking a bus to go from South Central all the way to where his school is. Like, it's a long commute. Like, he's really trying to do the right thing. But he realized, like, no matter how hard he's trying to do the right thing, he he keeps sinking. You know, every time he's trying to swim, he sinks. So Franklin becomes and get this idea of, like, selling drugs even though it's wrong it looks out for me and my people. And so in the series, you see that it becomes a lot of conflict and morality and it it keeps challenging morality. And I think this season really challenged morality for him because it now became, I think any other time in the season, it was Franklin against, you know, others like Franklin against others. So the choice was always easy. I'm going to choose me like either me or them. I'm going to choose me. But this season was hard because it was like me or your family, like the the them was his family. It was, you know, your mom, it was your aunt, it was your uncle. And Franklin continued to choose himself. And so I think that's when you started to see how far Franklin would go in choosing himself. And, and even when you say it's like the system is rigged, because I think a lot of times people would say there were plenty of times like after, you know, I think the, the catch is that, you know, And this is where a big thing comes in, the theme of struggle, but also the theme of addiction. Because after a while, like you're starting to reap the benefits of doing the, you know, selling the drugs and, and, you know, taking out the enemies and doing all the things that you need to, to stay afloat. But when do you pull the plug? Right. And so I think 
Franklin was trying to pull the plug and trying to get out of the game, but then there was a struggle. There was a caveat. So the, his plug, what I mentioned earlier, the CIA agent took his money, like all of the money he had been working on. He had $73 million that he had acquired through the drug game over the years. And his plug took it. So then it's like, what do you do? So then it becomes a fight for getting what you feel is yours. And then that ended up being the demise of or the end of Franklin. And I think it was really empowering. And I, you know, talking to a friend about this and thinking about the psychology of it, that Franklin is is definitely you know when you think about genetics and and i think even this was written in the uh, showrunner's notes he said that it made sense that franklin kind of had this addiction because his genetic his he was already predisposed to it because of his dad because of those things and then it would just make sense that he ended up having addiction this addiction to the drive of getting this money back and that's what we saw it at first we realized that you know at first sometimes people may say it's the drive to do it like you really want to do it but then you look closer and you realize like wait a minute this is an addiction that franklin has to getting this money because even when people are telling you oh, you can get it this way. Or, you know, we can try to, like, for instance, he started to invest in properties. And so when it's like, well, we can take the money from the properties and and try to do something else, or we can do X, Y, Z, when alternative plans were presented to him that were very logical, he didn't want to go with the plan. He, he was hell-bent and addicted to the idea that he had to get his money back. He had to get it back. And then it gets to the point where he is 10 seconds from getting the money back. Like you're, imagine being on this, um, I mean, if you're listening, I'm pretty sure you watched it, but just imagine being on this journey of going to get any outcome. That can just not mean money, but let's say you're chasing a bag, like you're chasing your degree, you're chasing, you know, maybe you're chasing for your family to be together, or maybe you really want your family unit to be. And as soon as you look like it's you can see it that is going to happen like you see it is going to happen it's snatched away from you and I think that was really that's the breaking point for Franklin when his opportunity his mom shoots Teddy and so Teddy is the plug so when his mom shoots Teddy that is the breaking point for him and I think that's when we start to really see him mentally decompose into this alcoholic so I knew that Franklin, I knew alcohol was going to become essential into this storyline in the end because it was a scene where he was in the bar. It was right after Teddy. It was when he called Veronique and he talked to her and she said, just come home. And instead of coming home, he sat at the bar and he sat at the bar and he just sat there. And then the bartender said, you know, I'm going to give you this on, on the house for free. I'm just going to give this to you. He took the, the, the shot. And it was a zoom in on the shot and it was real slow. Then there was a zoom in on Franklin. Then it was a zoom on, slow hesitation of him picking up the shot, slow hesitation from him drinking it. Whenever people are creatives or whenever I see in movie or film that there is a very specific draw to a certain item on the screen, whether it's a close up of something or whether it's a very much like they're highlighting a very what seems insignificant scene or thing I'm like ha ha 
that is going to be a prelude to something that's going to come back somehow. If it doesn't come how come back somehow, I'm like maybe it's you know a patronage of of something in some other film. But anyway, anytime you see it, I feel like that's always a small tell that something what what's going to happen next. And I really think that to me was like okay. Alcohol is going to be pivotal. And then we started to see him spiral in the sense that he was drinking alcohol in the car when he was, you know, talking before he went into the bank. He was drinking alcohol Uh, before when he was trying to he finally found peaches. Spoiler alert. When he finally found peaches, he was drinking, trying to like figure out that situation to the safe. He was just always you just saw him drinking, drinking, consuming, consuming. So to me, it made sense that it was like, aha, we're going to make, you know, the the thing is that Franklin doesn't go to jail. Because that was the big question. Like, what happens to Franklin? Like, does he go to jail? Does he die? What have you? And so the writers was like, you know what? He stays alive, but he becomes the worst thing that he doesn't want to be. And so having this conversation with my friend, I really liked a lot of things that she said about this this show. And so I'm going to kind of like say some of the things that she said. I wanted to come on the show, but she didn't want to come on the show. I think she was busy or whatever. But we had a, like a long and deep conversation about this and about Franklin. And I think a lot of things were really good. And so I think the thing that she says she liked about about it, that the show starts with, we see Franklin, right, being this drug addict and him, you know, working at the same liquor store that he ended up at, right? So at the end, he ends up going in the liquor store that he used to work at. So he used to work at Chow. It was, I think that's what it's called, Chow. It's like a liquor store. And he used to work there. It was like a convenience store. He hated it. He didn't like it. He didn't make a lot of money. He didn't like it at all. And it was another piece of the puzzle where he felt that quote that I read in the beginning where he felt like I'm trying it the right way. You know, I'm trying to work a good, not like a regular job. I'm trying to go to school. And because of the system, the system that we live in as African-Americans, that it's not made for us to get out. And a lot of times I think I love that about Snowfall, that it really talks about the historical implications of drugs, about black people and about racism, and also just about how the system is not meant for, especially people of poverty, to just really to be able to excel or exceed or to get out. It's meant for them to stay crippled. Um, it's It's in a sense, when we think about welfare, when we think about how much life costs, like when we think about education costs, and when we think about um, getting medical care costs, and when we think about um, getting a job that pays really well, you need what? Education. So when we think about the circle and the cycle of it all, it's like you're doomed from the start because you need money, but how do you make money and who has money? And, and it has this been like, does your parents have money? Did their parents' parents have money? No, they didn't have money. And it becomes a cycle of, of, you know, where we have to figure out a way to make money. And if you're putting drugs in our community and this is this, it's like you're creating a maladaptive way for us to make money rather than putting in institutions in place for us to work and to have jobs and and make money the appropriate way or even funneling programs so that we can get funding for education and those things that it's more of reinforce what we think about you. And then when, and I think what really got me too was like Teddy's, Teddy saying when Franklin's mom was asking like, 
Do you even feel any remorse or guilt about, you know, what you did or putting the drugs in the community? And he's like, y'all should have more self-control to be able to control, you know, to do those things. Like y'all should have more self-control. And it was like the lack of accountability and the blaming was unreal. And so even Teddy, who had such a close tie to these uh, white supremacist ideal ideals and funneling drugs into black communities he couldn't even like be real with himself and be like yeah the shit is fucked up so I feel like it's just a weird system in a cycle and again it goes back to Franklin's quote and so anyways he ends up back at the same liquor store he ended and if and Franklin ends up at the end crazy he ends up to be an alcoholic just like his father and he struggled so hard for 73 million dollars that was what he wanted to get back right 73 million and then after the 73 million you know it was when he made a deal with teddy it was 37 million then after he made a deal with teddy it became you know he wanted five million from leon and leon wouldn't give him five million he was like leon is his best friend and Leon wouldn't give him five mil. It's like, now, nah, I'm not giving you five mil. Then it was like, let me flip the house and get it. So what is that? Like 300,000 300, or some, some shit. Then it became like around 300,000 that he wanted, you know, for the house or whatever. Then he couldn't get that. His mom wouldn't sign the papers for him to sell the house. And then actually even backtrack, he ended up also being mad about 83,000 because the number just keeps going down. Like, so then he became mad at 83,000 because Veronique took 83,000 out of the account and was like, boom, deuces, I'm gone. So she took the money. Then it became about trying to sell the house. That was, it went from 83 now, you know, trying to get more money from the house, couldn't get money from the house. Then it goes into, um, then it goes into trying to get uh two mil i think from peaches or five five mil from peaches i don't know it's the number keeps dwindling down of who he's trying to get money to and i think actually leon only said he had three million not five so it was like three million from leon five mil from peaches it was just like the number kept keeps dwindling right and at the end he's excited for twenty dollars that leon gives him leon gives him twenty dollars to buy alcohol and he's excited about that but we just see his whole life, all of that to say, even if the numbers are wrong, we see that he spends his whole life chasing money and opportunity opportunities and quote unquote, wanting to be free of the system that he says is, is rigged. He didn't find true freedom and peace until he lost it all. And I guess that's when he had to lose it all. And it says he found, but I disagree with it. Now, this is what my friend is saying. I don't think he found true freedom. She says it showed the parallel, but I do agree with this. It does show the parallel between him and his father being scammed by the government or being fucked over by the government and how addiction can make you lose it all. And I do like that piece about how the government works because Franklin worked all of that time. And I love that piece. He worked all of that time thinking that he was above the government, thinking he was rigging the system, thinking like, oh, the system is rigged, so I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it this way. All of that time, all of his money went back into the government. So it's like, it's rigged regardless. And I think that's a very interesting thing. And because his dad also was rigged, 
are fucked over by the government through the Black Panther Party and him trying to, twice actually, by the Black Panther Party in the beginning and then also he was rigged in the government too because he was killed by a CIA agent when he was trying to reveal the truth about the government again when he had, because he ends up recovering from alcoholism and then he ends up um, being flagged by them again. And so it, it does show that parallel of how they both end up being fucked over by the government and how addiction can make you lose it all. And I think what she says that is important is like he was willing to sacrifice it all. His family, his friends, people who wanted, you know, to see him do good, people who was by him side, his side from the very beginning, he was willing to sacrifice even those people just to get his money back. And so that's how strong the addiction is. Because when you think about even the show about people on crack, Franklin always looked down on people on crack. He provided it and funneled it into the neighborhood, but he hated the people who were on crack. And he saw, he felt like he was above them. Always felt like he was above them. And he even killed his friend who was on crack. And he killed Beaches too, and they both were. But he always felt he was above. And he always never liked Wanda, who actually turned out to have a better projection than he did. Never liked Wanda. And always looked down on Wanda. And didn't like Leon being with Wanda because of that fact. Um, But he ends up there. And he was willing to sacrifice it all. But she says, I hate that that was how we see him. But that is the reality of times then. To see people with so much potential strung out. More times than not, it wasn't a happy ending. But it also wasn't predictable either. But when you look at it from start to finish, it's very believable. To see a mother, and this is another part, know she lost her son despite doing all she could to sacrifice herself for him. And to see him make the mistakes like his father, her husband. To see a friend who has low-key, has low-key guilt that they were the one who made it out. Mm. For a person work so hard for something and it be taken. It was very layered. She said it was very layered to me. And I like that part too. Like Leon having guilt of made it out. And you could definitely see Leon did feel guilty because throughout the series, Leon looked up to Franklin. Leon kind of always went to Franklin for help. It was... You know, Franklin did go to Leon for help, too. And I think that's an interesting dynamic, because if you think about it, like Leon always look up, looked up to Franklin as like a source of information, like, you know, a guide, a lead, you know, someone who was very smart. Like, that's my friend. You know, I usually have a smart friend. Like, you kind of look up to your friend. Like, you know, my friend, that's my friend is kind of different. Like, he thinks different. Like, he's a leader. I think Leon really looked up to Franklin like that. But the funny thing is Franklin always needed Leon. Like, if you think back from the very beginning seasons, Franklin always, to that first time when uh, Franklin had to make, he had to do uh, the kill. Like, he always needed Leon. He always needed Leon there. Um, But I do like how she said Leon felt that guilty. Like, he couldn't, like, he wanted to rewrite the story, and he couldn't. But there were a lot of parallels, and I do think, like, Franklin's mom, uh, Miss Saint, I just think that, you know, she did try a lot to help him. And I think it speaks to a lot of times mothers who are trying to help their kids who are trying to lead. And a lot of times you say, you know, you raise your kids, right? But then after so long, you have to kind of 
hope that you just raise them right and just like let them make their own decisions because after a while you can't do anything about that. And I think it hurt and pained. Franklin's mom didn't even talk to him at the end. Like he just, she just was, I think she was so disappointed. And I think that she had, I think it was exhaustion. And I also think like someone's like, why didn't she talk to him? I think it was exhaustion. And it would think it was to the point where she had talked to him so much she had poured so much into Franklin, like trying to get Franklin to see, trying to get him to do that. It's the point where you're like, you're just not getting it. And I know there's nothing I can say at this point that would make you get it. And I think she kind of like accepted that Franklin was where he was. And I think she always had hope. And I think even when she shot Teddy, I think even when she shot Teddy, she thought Franklin would have hope, like he would maybe see, but nothing she did, even sacrificing herself, didn't make Franklin understand like his addiction, the, the how the how everything was kind of rooted in evil and demise, that it was going to crumble regardless. He just couldn't see it. So I really do like that. It was definitely layered. I really do like that. I, it was it was layered. It was a lot of layer. And I feel like he wasn't free. Franklin said, and I think what to me when I first looked at the episode, I was like, it's missing some things. And what to me what was missing, I think was the remorse. But I realized it was similar to Teddy. Like he didn't have any remorse. What he kept saying, I did it my own way. You know, it was kind of the same thing. I did it my way. I did it how I wanted to do it. And he very much took confidence and peace and looks like solace and just saying I did it my own way. But it, but I felt like there was no accountability and like, yeah, I did it my own way and my own way was fucked. Like it wasn't the right way. Like that was, I did it my own way, but that was not the way that I should have went. And there was none of that. It was still just, hey, I did it my own way. I think there was some sadness. I did see that, and you know, he he did cry, but I think it was it to me it seemed like very much sadness of how this maybe of how the situation went, but I think also too that Leon was always there for him. Leon was there from the beginning. He was definitely his best friend, like he was always there there and I think that was what Franklin saw like, dang, he has always been there. Even at my worst, he has always been a friend and has been there for me. I don't know if those tears were more so like, maybe let me say they weren't sadness. Maybe tears also of guilt too. Let me rewrite if she was saying if it was guilt from Leon or guilt from Franklin. Let me see. No, no, she was talking about Leon. But I think Franklin might have had guilt there too that that Leon was such a great friend. But I don't think, he, he was a good friend, but I think he... It's like your mind, his mind wasn't on friendship and like my friend, his mind was so much tied to the addiction, the corruption, like I gotta get this money. And I feel like even if Franklin got the money, I don't think he would have been successful. And we talk about that because he had this addictive personality trait. I feel like no matter, I think no matter what would have transpired, that he would have ended up being kind of like addicted to something. You know, because at first it was kind of like addiction to the money, the chase, getting his money back, getting his money back. That didn't work out. Then it ended up being, um, it flipped, you know, with the alcohol. And like, that became kind of like the addiction or the graft that he did. But addiction was definitely a theme throughout the the series, throughout the show. Addiction to money, addiction to power, uh, um, addiction to the truth. Addiction to, because you see like 
Alton, you see the reporter, you see the DEA agent, you see the KBG, they were all addicted to the truth. What is the truth? They were trying to find the truth. They were trying to uncover the truth, going dangerous routes and going to different places and things and doing it different ways where it was detrimental to their being, where they ended up dying because they were so addicted to uncovering the truth, going routes and when they should have probably pulled back. I think we also see, you know, even addiction again, starting with Franklin's daddy with Alton in the beginning, it was addiction to alcohol, right? Uh, Which why I think, you know, even if Franklin again would have ended up maybe in college or if he ended up in a totally different trajectory or if he ended up getting the buildings or the, the licenses, I think it's hard because even when he had the opportunity to sell the, the properties, he said, no, he said, no, we're not selling it. What are you talking about? And he turned the man away. So it's kind of like an addiction in a sense of sometimes we call this in, in psychology of like sometimes people perseverate. And I think you see that too, like it's people perseverate on one thing or, or one area where they, they're stuck. So it's not, it's also when you think about addiction, it sometimes limited processes of fle- cognitive flexibility for you to think about or do things other than that one thing. And so we saw a lot of Franklin perseverating on getting the money, perseverating on this idea of being this mogul, this property mogul and you know, what it was going to be like, this has to be like my story, perseverating on something that was very much not going the way. Like, you know, are you able to pull yourself out and say, hey, things are not going well, I might need to try an alternative solution or try something else. And you see that Franklin is, even when all signs are saying like, this is not going to work, he's still trying to force it to work, which to me is like a lack of cognitive flexibility or to be able to switch and and alternate, which is a cognitive skill that some people don't have. Sometimes you see it a lot. And I'm not trying to say that Franklin had autism, but sometimes you see it a lot with children who do have autism where they're perseverating on a certain topic. But all of that to say is that it's a cognitive skill. It's a cognitive deficit. And if you are have addiction, you think about the brain processes that works with that. And so if you, if you, that addiction can be manifested differently, it can be maybe work, it can be constant state of stress. Sometimes people are addicted to working and and doing a lot of work and maybe, you know, having those things. But once the money was gone for Franklin, it started to manifest as alcoholism. So once he realized like, okay, the money's tapped out, I'm not getting the money, it became alcoholism. And and it also, too, this is a question. Like, I could have to put this up. I'm going to do a poll on Instagram. Like, do y'all think that Franklin was also doing crack? Like, in the end, it showed definitely that he was addicted to alcohol. But do you think that Franklin was also doing crack? Like, his teeth were showing like they were, like, he might have been doing other things. And, like, maybe alcohol was numbing things at first, but then he may have went harder to crack. Again, when you're thinking about your brain and you're thinking about addiction, you think about the chemicals in your brain and you're doing whatever to chase a a high. And so, you know, we call dope 
dope because of the dopamine effect. And what is the dopamine effect? The dopamine is part of the uh, dopamine or the neurotransmitters dopamine that is a rewarding. It's like the reward drug. And so when we get a taste of it, we can have usually dopamine is released anytime we're doing something that's rewarding. So it can be, um, you know, when we're scrolling on Instagram and we see that we get a lot of likes, it releases a chemical called dopamine and we're attracted to that. So that's why usually when we're on Instagram and we get likes we're trying to feed into that like like what can I do to get more likes what can I post what can I do to feed in that drug and so so that's why we call dope dope because we're thinking about the neurotransmitter dopamine and you get your brain to release the dopamine and it blocks other neurotransmitters that focuses on other things so when we're thinking about you know, thinking about alternative solutions. And in the episode, you see like Wanda goes crazy and she knocks a girl out and with a skate. And we see people stealing who are on crack and hiding and lying and doing different things because the effect of the dopamine is so strong. And and this is also, and this is why I loved Snowfall because it made me start to research about like crack and cocaine and the show goes so deep into the historical context again of crack and cocaine and also talks about how crack was first formulated how that wasn't a thing like everybody was doing coke but crack wasn't a thing but what made crack when they started making crack crack was cheaper than coke for one so of course it appealed to black people who are probably more impoverished and can afford crack over cocaine and you know we always say that (laughs) when they say crack is whack (laughs) and so because it's it's cheaper but we also see that it's highly more addictive because it's mixed with different chemicals and compounds it's broken down it's mixed it's less authentic and though the high is shorter so it makes you want to go ahead and get it again but the high is also stronger than coke so if you have crack that the high is shorter it's shorter amount of time but it's a it's stronger so you mean that dopamine is boom is really releasing it's like yes i want it i want it it's coming back it's giving you this euphoric crazy feeling that it but it lasts like a second it doesn't last that long and then you're so now you're on the the asp of i gotta go get it again i got it you're chasing the high right and so you see, so even me doing like, and that was me doing research and figuring out, oh, like, you know, how you, you it's crazy, like, how you make crack and how does, and they kind of show you in the show too, like how cocaine becomes crack. And, but I wanted to know more about like what it was and like why it was highly more addictive than, than um, cocaine. But again, it, because it is um, mixed and compound with different things. And then also it gives you a stronger high, but a shorter, but it's shorter. And so you're, you're chasing the high. And so, um, it, again, it kind of reminds me when you're thinking about addiction, whether, you know, it's drugs or whatever, I think Franklin was chasing the high. And I think it, you know, in this last series finale, you kind of, well, not this last season finale, but the last episodes, you see that he was getting bumps. So like for me, a bump would be like when he finally got Teddy and also helped him get Teddy, right? That was a bump. Like, ooh, 
you got a high like ooh you know it's going well and then you get a bump when you know he got he gets Teddy locked down into this room it's a bump then you get a bump when Teddy starts speaking because he's torturing Teddy you get a bump like he's getting all of these highs and then Teddy finally you know tells him here's where the codes are there's a bump like you're getting a high and you're fueling on the high and you're chasing it and you're getting what you want and it's it's you're you're being rewarded so you know when we think about also highs and dopamine your be your reward system so you're being rewarded it's feeding into the reward system when you think about dopamine and then all of a sudden you're getting all of these highs you're getting closer and closer to what you really want and then like that it's taken away from you and the showrunner talked about the mental downfall of what that would be that a lot of times people were asking, well, Franklin could have did this and Franklin could have did that. Like, you know, I even was like, where's his private jet? Like all of these things that he could have done. But it's like he didn't have the mental capacity to do that anymore because at this point, because I think he's, he was trying, right? Like he was like, well, let me go find Peaches. You know, that was maybe a spark. And then he finds Peaches. He's like, yeah, this is going to be it. And then he realized like Peaches ain't leave him. It's no money. Peaches, you know. And again, another way of showing how strong the addiction is, because Peaches took $5 million from him. By the time Franklin gets to him, which I guess is kind of, you know, sometime afterwards, but it's not that long of a time. But by the time Franklin gets to him, it's only $1,200 left. I think it was like $1,200. I'm pretty sure. It was either $12,000 or $1,200, but I'm pretty sure they said $1,200. And it's not that much left. And so it also goes again, the strong of the high, because even when you see Peaches, Peaches is strung out on the couch. He got like um, his bloody arm, like he's been injecting himself. It's just a mess. And so again, you see the culture, the neighborhood of what Franklin created, because in this series, Franklin created crack and not in the sense like he actually created it, but he created it in the sense that he learned it somewhere else. He bought it back to his neighborhood and he funneled it into his neighborhood because it was making the money. And so I think um, you just you just get to see that and you see how it comes full circle that he becomes a part of the neighborhood. But I really wish to me what I think the show, the finale was missing. I liked it. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't like it. I'm not going to say I hate it. But what I think the finale for me was missing was more of the historic historical context. Like this show has went so well that it went all the way and showed the war in Nicaragua. It, it showed um, it showed the transfer of guns for coke, the money, transitions. It showed that. It showed how sometimes that shit could go left. It showed also the making of crack. It showed how also how some other drugs were in the, the um, scene like heroin. It showed the influence of gangs and drugs and how gang culture started to take over as well. It showed so much historical implications that it was just really weird to me that when it came to the last episode that it didn't go all the way into everything when it comes to like where is the neighborhood right now? Where is the war on drugs? You know, we know what year it is, but like where where are things right now? Like what does things look like? Um, it also wasn't really clear on if Leon was still selling drugs or if he was out the game. Maybe he's out the game. We don't really know. 
Um, it did mention a little bit about the Lynn Bias Law, and that's how it started in the beginning by showing um, Lynn Bias and how that law started because he was a potential to do for basketball. He was a great star athlete, and he ended up having a heart arrhythmia, I think, or heart like a heart attack um, from cocaine, and so it became a law that people who sell cocaine to others and they end up dying i think the law provided a mandatory minimum prison term of 20 years and a maximum life sentence along with the fine of up to two million for cases of drug distribution that led to death or serious injury of a person and so that was like the land bias so it mentioned the land bias law but i just really wanted a little bit more of the context i also really wanted franklin to be more i guess remorseful in a way like i like i feel like Things all came crumbling down for Franklin. And I don't, I honestly don't feel any guilt. Like, a lot of people was like, I wish he had a, had a healthy ending. Really? I was like, do you see how many people Franklin killed? You wanted him to have a happy ending? Like, Franklin killed so many people. Did you not see how he treated his mom at the end? Did you not see how he choked up Veronique at the end? Did you not see how he clocked his gun on Leon? Like, y'all really, y'all was really, y'all was really, really, y'all was really wanting, y'all was really wanting him to like have a happy ending y'all should be fucking ashamed of yourselves but i think that his ending was very indicative of his beginning it also showed too like he talked about veronique calling and veronique saying that his son he had a son and that his son was going to the best schools and things again it was very very um indicative that again you're having a son who looks like he's gonna have a lot of potential a lot of great potential a lot of great great um um supports but, you know, it goes to show to, is it nurture versus nature? Because it's like, can, do you think that, do you think that Franklin's son will be able to live a good and healthy life, even in adult, even with the supports that he has? Like, if he was able to have the best schools, you know, the best support, money, a very nurturing family. Let's say Veronique married and had got a man. Maybe she he has a great support system. Maybe he never even really knows that Franklin is father. Let's say that he has Veronique and another man and he's living in a great nested community and a great neighborhood. Do you think, is it nurture versus nature? What is going to win? Do you think his addictive personality traits and patterns will still come about? Or will he be okay because his environment has changed? And I think that's really interesting because it goes back into twin studies. And a lot of times when you think about twin studies, they show that sometimes genetic traits and the nature can sometimes be strong. So even when people are given opportunities to be in better environments, that sometimes they are still predisposed to genetic dispositions or, um, or traits that still allow them to, maybe not, I'm not going to say like his life would be as bad as Franklin's, but sometimes still make decisions that are kind of based off of some of your genetic predispositions. Um, so it, it would be interesting to see what happens with that just to kind of see like if 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 you know if his son can make it because as my friend says my friend said she thinks that no matter where he would be whatever the tra trajectory that franklin would still have this addictive type of personality so it could even be the sense of like maybe you're not addicted to drugs but maybe you are very much addicted to you know 
your work life or like you're having a hard time balancing and having that cognitive flexibility between your work life and your personal life. Maybe that's impeding your relationships. Maybe we see it impact a little differently. Maybe not as drastic as being a drug kingpin, but we still see it as you're struggling to maintain uh, relationships in your day to day because you have this this disposition. Now, some people will argue and say that they feel like, you know, if you are um, in an environment that, you know, that is nurturing and that is caring and that, that nature is not going to take over. Um, but it, I think sometimes it, it really depends. I, I honestly kind of agree with, um, with my friend. Uh, but we also know sometimes that genes combined with the environment can produce some complex traits. So again, I'm saying it may not be as dramatic as what Franklin had. So yeah. So I think I think that is a um, a good a good um, a good idea to think about when it comes to you know Franklin and those things, and I really do like the aspect of talking about the dopamine effect. And if you haven't, just knowing that it really is responsible for allowing us to feel pleasure, satisfaction, and motivation, and all of those things. And so when we don't have those those effects, that's when we can start to feel a little withdrawal. And sometimes we can try to fulfill those with other things, right? Um, so yeah, I really did like Snowfall. I really liked the episode. I really liked the series. It was really great. I recommend anybody to watch it. If you've watched it, I think I'm going to go ahead and start rewatching the season and just the series in general. It's been a really long journey. I liked when episodes end really well. I think the last series that I saw in real well was Better Call Saul. That's a little different, but it, I like that it, it focuses on the main character and it does come full circle. But I like when people are able to connect all the pieces. And they did connect all the pieces on this one. I think if you focus, I think I have a lot, I'm a person who has a lot of questions about unnecessary stuff in shows. And so I do have questions. But I think if you just focus on the main aspect of Franklin, and I think the showrunner said that. He wanted to focus on Franklin this episode that he tied up other loose ends on purpose to focus on Franklin this episode. And he also talked about that those who showed redemption, those who showed remorse had happy endings. So we see Wanda has a happy ending, also has a happy ending, we think. Because also, I don't know about her calling, but some people are saying old girl calling was kind of suspicious out of the blue and that she may be trying to get Oso to go to North Carolina so that the DEA, DEA can swoop in and take Oso. And I would not be surprised. But Wanda got a good ending. Leon did. And we saw Leon in his redemption episode. Like, he went through it trying to redeem himself. And it's just interesting, too, that through all of that, Franklin just... Even now, he just he doesn't seem any remorse. He just kind of seemed like, I'm free now. Like, I don't have to do. Like, even him, you know, talking about, I called the CIA and I told them to stop. And guess what they did? <laughs> they stopped. It's like he, he still has this, like, I'm the shit. Like, I can control things. But it's like, Franklin, you can't. I also think that Franklin's lack of remorse is also kind of a form of a coping strategy. <laughs> and so you do have on one end, you have depression you have addiction and then I was about to say depression which could also be in there too you have on one end that you have addiction but I think you also have 
trauma that's being that has been built up and we saw that a little bit on that that uh last season when it was the wedding and he had the uh, lsd and it was a lot of trauma that he was reliving and we even see that this season with the nightmares like he's waking up in like sweats and nightmares and he tells that to teddy and i think i want I wanted Franklin to have remorse for all the things that he has done, but I realized too that in order to have remorse, you have to confront. Like when you think about therapy, you have to confront the demons. You have to like face them. And when Franklin was facing them last season, it was hard for him. And I think what he did was like, oh, I was high. I was drugged. That was like crazy. Why, why would you ever give me that? Like that was a horrible experience, right? But I think Franklin has never confronted his demons sober. Like he's never looked at the things that he's done and actually like confronted them and in any way try to make amends. And kind of like again with the shoulder and said that only the people who sought redemption. And we saw a Leon go through that process again seasons back when he killed the little girl. Like he went through this whole thing. And I feel like at times... Um, Franklin was kind of insensitive to what Leon was going through at the time because he couldn't relate. And I think that uh, Franklin could never really, I don't think Franklin could ever really show remorse or like have the remorse that I wanted him to unless he confronted the trauma, unless he confronted the demons. And to be honest, confronting them, and I think it's hard. And so a lot of times what people do with trauma, like they mask by drinking alcohol or like addiction or like staying in a state where they don't have to be sober to face reality because even Franklin is covering up reality by saying different things like he even makes fun of Wanda at one point and is like is Wanda still on that pipe like it's like how dare you form the words to say that about her when you're in the situation so it's like interesting that he still is living in this space of in denial as a way of coping it's kind of like it's his in denial is a form of a coping strategy. What we say is a defense mechanism where it helps you to, it's a maladaptive way of, of coping with what you're doing. So it's not only the alcohol that's helping him cope, it's helping him stay in that, that's that to be not sober, to stay in a place where he doesn't have to confront his demons. And then it's also the fact that you've never really confronted them. And you, instead of confronting them, you have made up, to me, I feel like this whole thing is a facade. This whole idea of that, I did it my way. And you know, I did it my way. I'm free now. It's kind of like a way to rationalize the, the shit that just happened to you, right? Like how, when you, when you go through a lot of trauma and a lot of things are happened over and over and over, and you're like wow like you realize like oh I, ha I have no control like I'm totally out of control like when he was at the safe and was like laughing hysterically like you have lost all of control that you're you are on a totally different path than you thought you were right everybody saw it except you and so how do you make sense how do you rationalize this part of your life you rationalize it by saying oh I'm free now oh I I made all the decisions that I wanted to and I did it my way. And it helps you rationalize your brain to actually rationalize it because it's also a lot to me, it's too cognitive dissonance, right? Like because 
who Franklin thought he was <laughs> and what he actually becomes, it's so different, right? It's the, what he, what Franklin, who Franklin has and who his mind is versus the things that he's actually doing is so different. And it's like, how do you justify it? You justify it by this crazy thing of saying, you know, I'm free now. And, you know, I, you know, I did it my way. And so I think it's just, uh, it's a lot of psychology behind it. And I think it's, really interesting how it happened and it makes sense that he doesn't have remorse but I would love to see him you know I didn't really want him to have a happy ending but I did I wish that he had came to some healthy reconciliation with himself and some redemption and remorse but you know I guess I guess that won't be happening (laughs) and I think that's where Teddy was I think Franklin and Teddy had a lot in common and I think there's some parallels there too it's also interesting how you can be from two different worlds and have a lot of the same mindset I think both Franklin and Teddy were so good partners for so long because they both worked in the same mindset where they thought that they you know Teddy thought it was uh like this false sense of justice that he was doing for his country. He had this sense of pride. But Teddy also sacrificed his brother. He sacrificed his dad. He was had his family in danger a lot of the times. And Franklin did the same for the self-serving goal, to be very selfish in that way, that they had that in common. They were very selfish in that aspect. Um, and I, I just, it's just interesting. I know some loose ends, people may want to know, like, you know, what happened to Teddy's girlfriend? I, I wanted to know what happened to Franklin's plane. Did he not have that? Where is really, where is Veronique really? You know, these are different questions. I also want to know, is Leon still in the game or not? That really wasn't specified for real. Um, there were some things kind of left untouched. But I think, again, if you focus on the main thing, which was Franklin, that you get you'll get the gist of it. They also, you know, did an ending where for John Singleton and kind of the boys in the hood and because he was also a creator of this show in the very beginning. This show was really, this series was really good. The series was really good. I do recommend it. I don't think I have any more talking points about the series. I think that was my main thing that I wanted to talk about was the ending and the addiction point. I do feel for Miss Saint. She tried her hardest. I mean, she tried hard. When you talk about a black mother trying to save her son from the environment from where they are, and I think that's another piece of where you're, and I think she was conflicted so many times, and she was conflicted to the point she was like, if I can't beat him, join him. So she even joined in on the whole drug game in hopes that he would, you know, end it. And even when it was close to her, you know, close to him ending, I think he did keep up with his promise with that. He he did was, you know, trying to get out of the game, but things just didn't end the way that he, he wanted them to. So I don't know if I'm leaving anything. I, ho- I feel like there is just, it's a it's so much to unpack with this this season with this episode. I didn't mention Uncle Jerome at all. So let's go there. So I didn't mention Uncle Jerome or Louis at all. That's where I wanted to go. Uncle Jerome, you know, I would say that he has to be a fan fave for sure. He's definitely a fan fave. I think we're all upset that he died, but I knew it was coming. I knew that in order for this show to pack a punch, that they had to kill off Jerome. I just knew that they had to do it. Because no one would give a fuck if Louis died. If Louis died, they'd be like, good riddance. 
But Uncle Jerome would be like, oh my God. And the scene where, the scene has so much great acting. The scene where Franklin and Uncle Jerome are in the diner and Franklin gets upset and he pulls out his gun on Jerome. And it was one thing because it was like, you know, Louis was like, he pulled his gun out on me. And Jerome's like, oh, what? You know, it was a, a shocker. Like, he pulled his gun out on Louis. Like, that's crazy. But it's also not crazy because Louis and him always had kind of like this back and forth kind of banter. And so it's like, he he likes you some days. He calling you auntie. Sometimes he calling you bitch. It's like, whatever. But then when he pulls his gun out on Jerome at the diner, that's when I knew like, okay, I also knew, I was like, Franklin Franklin is at the point where he's spiraling. Because it's like, you're going to pull your gun out on your aunt? Like, you're spiraling. Now, it was Admiral that he did go and try to save Louie twice. He tried, he saved her and told aunt about her and the, you know, that uh, Kane had, Kane had Louie. And then he also gave a heads up to Louie when the, the DA was coming to, to her house. Uh, to raid her house, but you know, I don't really care. Like, Louie on the run, she's gonna have to run the rest of her life. I really feel like she's at the ranch and the people at the ranch covered her, but I think that it's even the showrunner said this too, and I was thinking it. I don't think it's like all roses and daisies at the ranch. I think the people at the ranch are gonna be like, Look, girl, we covered your ass, but you're hot, you gotta go. I think they're gonna give her the boot. I think she's gonna get the boot because she's a little spooked. Um, it looked like she was from the trees. It looked like she's somewhere in the south. And so it's like, you got all the way to the south. You was, you was, you was all the way, <laughs> you was all the way in LA. And you went all the way to, cause it looked like she was in the south. You went all the way to the south and they are still on your ass. Girl, you ain't, you ain't gonna have no good life. I feel like Louis, and then that's another, like when we think about addiction, right? Even Louis, I feel, was addicted to the game because Jerome kept asking her, what more do you want, Louis? What more do you want? Like, what more can I give you? Like, we did, we did, I did what you said. You, you, you wanted to get in the drug game. We did it. I didn't want to do it. You wanted to go ahead and, you know, expand. I, we did it. You wanted to go and then take away from, from Franklin. I did it. Like, you keep wanting to do these things. You want to go after Kane. Like, I did it. Like, you want to do all of these things, and I'm doing it, but what more do you want? And so, again, addiction, because it's like, because even when he sat, when they sat on the couch, and he was asking her those questions, and she couldn't give him an answer as to when she would be satisfied. And so... You can't give a person an answer when you're going to be satisfied when you're addicted to something. You can't say like, yeah, after this last hit, I'm going to be done because you're addicted to it. You need the constant state of hot, like hits. And I think even if Louis, the funny thing is too that Louis is on the run and I'm pretty sure she's scared. But the thing about it too, I think if Louis was living a regular life, I don't think she would be happy. So the funny thing is like she's running and she's probably like scared for her life and very inconsistent. But I feel like if Louis was like, I mean, cause she's, I mean, cause if the person who has it all isn't happy, then you're never going to be happy. Like you, you had everything that you wanted, you know, cause at first Louis was like, I want the club. And then she got the club. And after club, it's like, I want this. Like Louis was getting everything that she wanted and Jerome was giving it to her. Then it was like getting married. Like she had all of those things. And it's like, she was never satisfied. And so again, we see the addiction of, it's just the struggle and the addiction together. It's like, 
it's a struggle because you're in a situation as I feel like all of the whole family was in a bad situation. You know what I'm saying? So like they were in a situation where they were they were working class, they were working hard, still not making ends meet and struggling. And so when you think about the the drug game and you're thinking about it, you're like initially it's like, oh, it's easy money. It's like something I can do real quick. I can make some quick coin. I can make money. You know, even though it's wrong, you see the 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 benefit of it, right? And because right now, like you said, like frankly said in the beginning, the system is rigged. So you like, hmm, let's go with it, right? Fuck the white man, let's do it. But then you see how much problems come with it. And you start to question, a lot of people question in this series, was it worth it? Even when I was struggling, was it worth what it has happened now? Because a lot of people have died. We have done a lot of bad things. I have a lot of guilt. I have, I can't sleep at night. Like, was it worth it, you know? And I think a lot of times people are like, you know, it's not. And I think Miss Saint was kind of thinking like, it's not worth it. And I think it's also too, again, when I think about like not having remorse. And I think Teddy, and I say Teddy was similar to Franklin in that, and I, we saw that when, you know, he's about to give the code, right? In the the episode before the series finale. And he's on the phone. And Miss Saint says, hey, you know, can you tell me again about Alton? Like, where is he buried? Like, what, where did you do with him? And he, you know, I'm not going to, you know, get it right completely. But he has this, like what the fuck? Like, I told you this shit. Like, I lied. Like, what do you mean? I shot the nigga twice and I dumped his body. Like, I shot him twice and I dumped his body. Like, and it was very much like an irritated voice and very much like, Eve, you're so naive. Like, yeah, of course I lied. And so there she's thinking and you see her contemplate before she kills him. And in my head, I'm thinking that Miss Sane is probably thinking like, this guy can lie so well. He lies so great to the extent where he actually had me questioning, oh, maybe Alton is is alive. And I know that in your mind, you're like, you know, of course he's lying because he's in this difficult situation. But he said it so, like, real. And we've seen this with Teddy throughout the show that he's very much very skilled when it comes to gunmanship, when it comes to op- in- intelligence, uh, you know, um, when it comes to um, not just intellect but when it comes to um like criminal intellect and just um I'm forgetting the word but you know um kind of I guess like criminal intellect when it comes to those things that he's just really good at navigating situations and rough situations and so just to see that he lied so simply and I think she's taking that in and then she's also knowing like if he lied like that And I also didn't understand Franklin in this episode because I'm like, Franklin, you know Teddy. Like, if anybody knows Teddy, you know Teddy. Like, you know Teddy. Like, you know. Like, the only reason Teddy did business with Louis because he knew that it would get Franklin pissed. Let's be honest. Because at the end of the day, and he needed a connect into the neighborhood. But let's be honest, he ain't gonna fuck about who Louis was, right? So I just feel like it's like Franklin you know he is not going to keep the promise. Like, he's like, after you sat there and burned and tortured this man and let him urinate on himself and sit there dehydrated, gave him a sip of water, you think that he's not going to come back after you and chase you? 
You don't think, like, let's think about it. If Franklin was, let's just say Franklin was to get the money, right? Franklin got the money. She didn't shoot him. Do you know, like, you're going to die? Like, you're going to die on that hill? Like, that Teddy is going to come and get you? Like, that was your only time. Do you know how hard it took you to get Teddy? Like, to get a hold of Teddy? It took you to conspire with his main person also, who he also also acted his ass off because it's like, Teddy, you peeped everything. You didn't peep that also was like talking to the DEA and he was talking to Franklin. Crazy, right? But it took also for you to get Teddy because at the one point, if also didn't show up, your ass was grand. Your ass was already, he was about to fuck your ass up and kill you. But at the end of the day, it's like, you are not going to kill him. And you also promised Oso you was going to kill him. So now you breaking promises and your word ain't shit. Because now you're telling, you told Oso you would kill him and you didn't. Because you're ready to sacrifice for that money. But it's like, are you not thinking? And that's why, and I think that's why, again, it's like addiction. Because when you do have an addiction and you're chasing the high, like you're not thinking logically. You're not thinking about the future. You're only thinking about that moment. You're not thinking about what's going to happen next. You're only thinking about the moment. And frankly, and even though mindfulness is usually a really great thing when you think about only focusing in the moment, but when you're thinking about those things, it's not good because you need to be thinking about like planning it out, like what's going to happen. And even the funny thing is Veronique was going along with it, even though it was stupid. Like, even mom was like, you're going to let him go? Like, that shit is dumb. Like, you're going to let him go? If Franklin had got the money, Franklin would have been dead. Teddy was dead or in jail because Teddy was coming back for that money. He wasn't getting the money. And also, too, I was thinking, like, yeah, Teddy is, like, giving codes and, and transferring stuff. But it's not like it's 2023 where you can go and say, oh, my money is in my account. You have to call people and do that. So it's also, like, Franklin, you're even believing to the extent that Teddy is actually transferring the money in the right account. Because somebody even pointed out, it was like, nigga would have been mad if he had transferred it into Louis account. Like, you don't even know if he's transferring it into the right account. He's just saying, yeah, I'm making a transfer. You don't even know if the transfer is going into your account or if it would have went into your account. You're just like, oh, he was about to transfer it. And he's so mad at his mom, like, you couldn't wait just 10 seconds. But it's like... Child, you still don't understand. And even Leon was like, I'm not giving you no three mil. Because, like, if if your mom didn't, your mom shot him for that, don't you think it was a reason why she didn't want you to have that money? Like, come on, dog. Like, it was a reason she didn't want you to have that because that was your drug. That was your addiction. That's She was trying to stop you from that. She also was trying to stop you from the back end of your addiction was not only that you were addicted to the money, that also at the same time that Teddy was going to come back and get you. And it was going to be a tie into the CIA and all of that government shit. But also it's just like, he was, he was willing to do anything. Like he sold the properties that his mom had worked so hard on. I think that was Veronique's. I think that was one of Veronique's straws, but Veronique was still kind of like, whoa, like you sold that, you did that without me. But then when he came into her face and tried to choke her, oh, she was like, oh, I'm tapped out. Like, I'm not even going to go for this no more. Like, you really uh, just tried to choke me? She was done for it. She was really done. But I think, I think that when we think about just how far Franklin could go, like even when Louis and them started working with, you know, uh, Teddy, he just became so irate. Like he was ready to do anything and everything to just like get the money back and, and to do those things. And I, I always felt like that would slide him. Like I didn't really like how Louis was operating in that moment. 
And I don't think Jerome, I think Jerome wanted Louis to be happy. So he was just like doing things. But then he realized at the last minute, like none of this was worth it. What Miss Saint had been saying the whole time. But it's just, um, it's just, it's just a crazy, crazy thing. And I'm glad Teddy died the way that he did. He needed to die. And the way that he talked to Miss Saint was disgusting. The same as Ted. That's what I'm saying. Like Teddy and Saint are, were honestly sometimes like one and the same. And a lot of things, the way that they thought, I thought about things and how they were addicted again chasing the high of whatever self-serving idea that they had but yeah it all was a struggle it was a struggle for franklin it's it's just a mess but you know it's a story it's a good story a good story <sighs> so that was a lot <laughs> oh that was good oh that was a good review for you all um but um with that being said, I think I'm going to leave that off. If there's anything that I missed, I really would like to keep the conversation going. Please hit up my Instagram page. Um, post some videos of this. Leave some comments. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you're feeling. I really, really enjoy. I really enjoyed watching this series. It was so great just to see also just a lot of great black actors and actresses and to be on the screen for so long and to produce consistent quality television and work was amazing to see and Franklin Idris to see him grow so much over time was amazing um so shout out to all of the actors and actresses and all of the showrunners and creators and all of the people are part of this this um, this series. It was really good. And I hope that you watch it. I hope that you like it. I hope it's a great binge for a Sunday. Um, so enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy all things uh, Champagne Sunday. Enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy relaxing, resetting, and refreshing for the week ahead. I hope that you just have an amazing, amazing, amazing week. Um, and I will see you all next Sunday. All right. All right, my loves. I'll see you then. Bye.